0: Time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best selling author and Bible teacher Jeff Kinley. And now, your host. Hey, welcome to Vintage Truth Podcast. Uh, We are ramping up to the Christmas uh, season. Obviously, it's uh, Christmas is rapidly approaching, and we're in the Christmas week here. And so, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes today talking about something that really involves Christmas. You know, we think about Christmas and Jesus being a, a baby that came in the manger. And, you know, we always think of the innocence of that and how sweet and cute and wonderful and, and silent night and all that mess, you know, and it probably was anything but silent because there's a newborn baby crying and, uh, you know, angels are singing or shouting and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, the, the point of Christmas is that God became a man. Now, just saying that, I mean, people, people rarely contemplate the mystery of Christmas. There's a huge, huge mystery about about Christmas. I, I say Christmas, about God becoming a man, okay? We call it Christmas, okay? but But the thing is, is that you've got infinite deity clothing himself in human flesh, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and caused her to be pregnant with a child. And from the moment of conception, that child began to, uh, to grow immediately. And when the baby was born, the baby was fully human and fully God. Because deity didn't like come on Jesus at some moment. He, he was God. And the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And that the word was God. And the Bible tells us in John 1 14 that, that the word became flesh. This logos of God became flesh. And it says he dwelt among us. So, If you can ever figure out how God can inhabit human flesh and be the God man, see, that's the thing is that Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. There wasn't like a contribution from humanity, like, oh, you get 50%, I'll get 50% kind of thing. He was 100% God, he did not lose his deity. And the Bible says that, that he exuded glory. In fact, John says in verse 14, we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, the one that comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, we, we read over in um, in Hebrews uh, chapter one, uh, speaking about the uh, the incarnation of, of Jesus Christ, and the author to Hebrews uh, puts it very plainly here in chapter one and, and In uh, verses one through three, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in many portions, in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. All right, so again, Jesus as creator. And he, Jesus, is the radiance of his, the father's glory, and the exact representation of his nature. And he upholds all things by the word of his power, Okay. And he goes on to say that once he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So the deal is, is that, you know, Jesus is 100% uh, God. There are, you know, other passages that talk about uh, his, obviously his deity. And, and the thing that kind of rocks our minds is the fact that how, how could he, how could he be both human and God? See, as a human being, Jesus chose to obey the Father. It was a willful obedience to the Father. And from that standpoint, he, quote-unquote, earned his right to be the sinless Messiah uh, in terms of his uh, lifestyle, in terms of his obedience. Uh, But the Bible tells us that he came, Romans 8, 3 says, he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He didn't have sinful flesh, but he came in the likeness of sinful flesh and over in uh, Philippians chapter 2 in verse 7 it says this Christ Jesus excuse me verse 5 Christ Jesus who although he existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped in other words Christ left heaven he, he's got this equal status with the father and with the spirit and the trinity is just fine like it is and yet he chooses he chooses to to step out of heaven, and the Bible says in verse 7 there uh, that he emptied himself, now not of his deity, but in the sense that Christ voluntarily laid aside some of his heavenly privileges, one being um, omnipresence. Jesus was limited in a human body, and so he could not be everywhere at once like God is. There is at least one thing that Christ voluntarily chose not to know while he was walking on this earth, and that was the timing of his return. Because he tells us in Matthew that not even the son knows the time of the return. He does now. He's in heaven. But as the God-man, he chose Not to know that, but to depend on the Father. That was what he did in his life. That's that's the example he showed us, that he depended on the Father. But it says he entered himself and became the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man, you see. And then over in the book of Hebrews. Now, now Hebrews is an amazing book that tells us so much about Christ and and who he is. Chapter 2, it says, Since then the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, Christ, likewise also partook of the same of what the flesh and blood that this is the purpose that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death that is the devil and deliver us uh, from slavery to sin now so the idea here is that christ chose to take on flesh and blood so that he could be a worthy substitute see a substitute means you don't substitute apples for oranges. You don't substitute uh, animals for people. See, the Old Testament sacrifices were foreshadows of the ultimate human sacrifice the, of the God-Man for us. In order for someone to take on our sin, here's the deal: they have to be human. They have to be, but but they would be a sinless human, because if they weren't sinless, someone would have to die for their sins, and then you just have this endless chain here. So, so the idea is that. Christ had to be a man, but he had to be a sinless man. Guess what? He was the God-man. He was sinless. Uh, Peter tells us that he committed no sin. On over in the same chapter, in Hebrews 2, verse 17, it says, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God. So in other words, because Jesus became a man, guess what? He understands What it's like he understands every human emotion he understands every human experience and that's why christ can honestly look us in the eyes and say i know how you feel you know i mean look at what jesus went through in his life yeah he can say i know how you feel everything from from being tired to i mean he suffered the effects of of even when he died on the cross i mean of, of deadly of, of deadly diseases you know diseases bring death guess what he's he understands he understand cancer i mean he christ didn't have cancer christ didn't break his you know break his wrist playing football he, it's not those kind of things but he understands what it means to suffer in a way that you and i will never suffer he understands what it means to have emotions and emotional uh, stress and discouragement and and the sense of of dread You know, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, he understands that more than any person on this earth ever will. So he knows how we feel. There's another great, uh, it even says on the very next verse, that he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered. And because he was tempted to to the ultimate degree by Satan himself, which by the way, you and I have never probably been tempted by Satan himself. It says he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted because he beat that temptation, you see. And then over in chapter 4, it tells us in uh, verses 14 and 15, it says, uh, Since then we have such a great high priest, that's someone who represents you to God, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Now watch this. For we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, but rather we've got a high priest who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. And the response to that, the writer of the Hebrew says, let us therefore draw near with confidence. Confidence. To what? To the throne of grace. You see, because Christ is not going to ever look at us and go, hmm, man, I, I, I don't get that one. I don't understand that. No, He understands. So that's why we get grace when we come to him and because of what he did on the cross. It says, the throne of grace, come to the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And man, there's so much in that one single verse. That this, I mean, one thing is that this throne of grace, that phrase throne of grace, that's the only time it appears in the Bible. Isn't that cool? And when it talks about Um, finding grace to help in the time of need, it's referring to having just the right kind of help. The right kind of help. You see, nobody understands like Jesus and nobody helps us like Jesus. You see, Christ had to be fully God and fully man. His sinless nature qualified him as a worthy sacrifice for our sins, to receive God's wrath for our sins. That's why in the Old Testament, they sacrificed a lamb that was without blemish, illustrating this fact that it was in essence innocent and perfect. And the great thing about about him being fully man is that he blazed a path of obedience in everything that he did. And the fact that he was God was proven by his righteous life, by the miracles that he performed, by the words he spoke, and by the resurrection that he accomplished. Now, there there is great mystery in the incarnation. If you don't think there's mystery in that, then you're not thinking about it right. You know what I'm saying? So we have to make sure that when we think about this, that there is a sense of um, humility. <laughs> there's a sense of, kind of recognizing who we are in this whole thing. And when you gaze up at the stars at night and you begin to think about the infinity of space and the fact that, that God is over all of that, you know, however long space goes is obviously way beyond our comprehension. But that God became a man. And we talk about that a lot during the Christmas season. But here's the thing that no one, I don't hear people talking about too much. And here it is. You ready for this? I mean, as if you're not already humbled, this is going to complete your humility package for the week, okay? God did not have to send his son, Jesus did not have to come. The Holy Spirit did not have to overshadow and come upon a young maiden a virgin named Mary. None of that had to happen. You see, God was under zero obligation to send his son. He was under zero obligation to provide salvation for you and me. And I mean, we, you know, we had no claim on God. He, he didn't owe us anything. I mean, listen to what Job 41, 11 says. And this is God speaking, by the way, <laughs> He says, who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine already. God says, you've never given. We have never contributed anything to God. We've never given God anything where God says, all right, I owe you that. We have no claim on God. Listen to what Romans chapter 11 says, verse 33 through 36. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. In fact, I sign books a lot of times. I'll put Romans eleven thirty three through 36, but listen to what he says. He says, Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, exclamation mark, how unsearchable are his judgments and how unfathomable are his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. So you think God is up in heaven just going, oh, no. I I have to save these people. Here's what God owed us. What God owed us was wrath. God didn't owe us Christmas. He owed us hell. He owed us the lake of fire. That's what was due us. That, that was the paycheck we had earned. That's the boomerang effect of sin back on us as, as a human race. That's what God owed us. That's justice. That's fairness. If people in our world talk about equity and equality and fairness, you don't want God to be fair. You really don't want him to be fair. You want him to find a way to be just but also provide salvation for you, and guess what? That's what he did. And the only way he could have done that was through the unique, unique, monogenes, only begotten one of Jesus Christ, the God Man. You see, God didn't owe us Christmas. Christmas is not an entitlement for humanity. Christmas is a gift. That was not earned, in fact, everything that we did towards God was telling him don't don't give us Christmas, don't send your son don't don't make Mary pregnant, don't let that baby all our sins scream that to God and yet the bible says romans five eight but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us we weren't even righteous we were we we were not worthy to have him die for us we're not worthy of salvation and that's what makes it so amazing that's why grace is amazing is because we don't deserve it we deserve the opposite and yet we didn't get it and that's what happened in the incarnation folks jesus the father the spirit in the infinite mind of almighty God, the triune God, somewhere back in eternity past, way before the earth and people and angels and heaven and space and time and the concept of anything existing other than God, they hatched a plan. And the plan by choice by divine sovereign choice was to come and purchase for himself a people out of out of the rabble of of mankind you know and, and you know if that doesn't rock your your world and your brain I don't know what does To think about the fact that Ephesians 1 says that in love he predestined us. He chose us as sons before the foundation of the world. I don't deserve this. And you know, whenever you receive something that's overwhelming. And you know, you don't deserve it. You know, you're just so grateful. I mean, sometimes people. I mean, very rarely, but sometimes people will send a financial gift to our ministry. And I just go, man, this came out of the blue. It dropped from the sky. And I always, I always say to God, God, I don't deserve this. Thank you for speaking to one of your servants. But how much much more are we grateful for salvation in that we not only just didn't deserve it, I mean, we deserve the opposite. We deserved God to damn our souls forever. And yet he's he loves us. He cho- he chooses to love us. He's not obligated to love us, but he's but he does obligate himself after he says he chooses to love us. So God God binds him his own self by his own word. I will love you. I will love you unconditionally and I will love you forever, God says. And nothing or no one, or no thing, or no sin, or no failure will ever change that. Because Jesus Christ came to earth as the God-man at Christmas to save you from your sins. And that is good news. Happy Christmas. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.